The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Rebax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. This is Reba Haas of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And this is Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Yes, welcome to our weekly show where every week on Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. we talk about real estate and mortgage and all things related. That's right, and this is a live call-in show. If you have it questions is. for us or our guests, give us a ring. You can hear a phone ringing right now. You can reach <laughs> us toll-free at 866-712-712. 1300. Way to be prepared. Yeah, there you go. Get right on that call, will you? Got it. Okay. All right. So, folks, we you may actually ha- have reason to call today. We've got some pretty interesting guests on. We do. Yeah. If anyone happened to hear any of the uh, show promotions for this last week, they got to hear about the slick people who'd be coming in this We're, week. That's right. We're talking oil tanks. Oil slicks. Oil slicks. <laughs> abandoned oil tanks. So, we have Bob Warren. And Cassandra Garcia here with uh, with uh, State of Washington Department of Ecology. Mm-hmm. So and answer not, our not both of them in oh, ecology. Yeah. Oh, I'm they're two sorry. different Take departments. Yeah. Get yourself together in there, Mister. Different, different. Groups. Yeah, we got one from Multiple PLIA. Experts. Yes. yes, and PLIA stands for Pollution Liability Insurance Agency. Right. Say that five times fast. Pollution Liability Insurance Agency. I just prefer PLIA. Yeah, there you go. It rolls off the tongue a little nicer. Much easier. PLIA, 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 PLIA. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yes, uh, if you have questions about oil tanks today, now is your chance to get in on this conversation because we definitely have the questions that we're going to put to them. But I know there's a lot of folks out there that still have actively used oil tanks or... Maybe they've got one that they're not sure if it's decommissioned or not. Maybe people are thinking of buying. They don't even know that this situation exists out there. Um, so we've got several things we're going to talk about today. But as most of our listeners know, we usually start off the day talking about market rate updates. Oh, yeah. And how are things rates. looking now? They're still volatile. Uh, things are bouncing not around. Smoothing on us. out, huh? You know, ever since the election, we've had mm-hmm. we've had some you know pretty good run up in in rates mm-hmm. um, to still historically low levels. But, oh yeah, but about a yeah. half a percent higher than than where we were, you know, about a month ago, month and a half ago. And about and, how much more? Yeah, so thirty year fixed rate today, the national average. Is hovering around four point one nine percent. Okay, uh, so a little, still a little bit over four percent. Fifteen-year fixed rate is hovering around three point four percent. A FHA thirty-year fixed rate hovering right around three point eight seven five percent. Still pretty good on FHA. A little FHA. bit under four percent. Yeah. Okay. And happy uh, to hear that. You know, jumbo loans. Any these are loans that are going to be higher than around five hundred forty thousand five hundred. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're your uh, elephant loans. Right around four point two five percent. So four. Four to five. Four and a quarter. Yeah, wow, they've really that. popped up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're up over that, that 4% mark. Okay. Uh, you know, not not the end of I the mean, world. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still better than both of our first mortgages. Oh, heavens But yes. still, you know, it's oh, just, yeah. it's just if, you know, if people are thinking about making adjustments right now, 
they might want to think about it sooner rather well, than later. And, and that's that's the thing that that um, you know we uh, we've been kind of going back and forth watching this market, trying to figure out is this temporary, is it short term, is it long term. Remember, a couple months ago we did a show. Uh, here and and we went back all the way to 1972 to answer the question: Do presidential elections affect mortgage rates? And the answer was uh, clear back to 1972, with very few exceptions. Not a lot. Uh, this time is one of the exceptions, and the perception mm-hmm. is that that. Uh, well, we the, also have an exceptional president well, elect. We have lots going on. <laughs> no and, matter how uh, you want to frame lots that, lots going on. But the per, the the perception, the reason rates are higher, is because there's a belief that that the incoming president will will institute economic policies that will stimulate the economy. We're, we're forecasting mm-hmm. higher growth rates, and that's why the rates are going up. So okay. along with that. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. That's right. The Federal Open Market Committee meets the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. Drum and, roll, please. Yes, they'll be making an announcement on short-term interest rates. It is fully expected uh, that they'll increase rates at least about a quarter of a percent tomorrow. They'll make mm. an announcement probably about eleven thirty in the morning, something like that. Right. So, what does that mean? Uh, well, to long-term mortgage rates. Not a lot. And in mm-hmm. matter of fact, the last time the Fed increased rates was a year ago, December. Right. They increased a quarter of a percent. Interest rates actually went down uh, the day after they, they made their increase. But it will affect short-term loans. If you right. have a loan that is tied to prime rate, especially, those would be home equity lines of credit, uh, mm-hmm. some types of car loans, uh, commercial loans, things like that. Those will almost immediately be affected and uh, you know, so we we will you know expect to see that that go up probably a quarter of a percent tomorrow. You know, I keep meaning to talk to you about a line of credit on my house. Should I be doing that like now? Well, they're variable rates, so probably doesn't matter. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> You're kind of just Maybe you know, going less. along for the ride on that. Okay. But if you are thinking about locking in a rate, though, refinancing anything like mm-hmm. that, my personal belief is that we've hit a new uh, baseline for for mortgage rates that we're probably okay. not going to go back down. Uh, mm-hmm. We could possibly go a little bit higher, uh, but but okay. I don't think we're going to go back down. You know, there there could be exceptions if there's right. some sort of an extraordinary event that happens in the country. I think when we get to next week, mm-hmm. if I could ask you this, depending on what you see happen tomorrow, sure. Um, I know we talk about this every once in a while, but I don't want to necessarily take time for calculations mm-hmm. this afternoon. But if we could get an idea of what that means for folks. On terms of purchasing power, because I know that on on the real estate side of things, the first thing that's going to happen is people are going to say, "What's that do to my affordability?" Yes, if I'm buying, I mean, it's one thing if I'm doing a refinance or whatnot, but if I'm buying right now, especially when we've got this heated up market in our local area, what's that mean on my ability to get engaged in? Let's say, you know, maybe it's one of those houses where there's multiple bids. And now that suddenly limits my maximum that I can go to. How much is this really affecting my affordability? Right, uh, absolutely. Which which is a a big concern. Yeah. And and, uh, one other thing, and and actually I forgot to talk about this last week, speaking of affordability, Mm -hmm. uh, every year uh, the uh, the day, usually it's on Black Friday, Mm -hmm. uh, the government announces new loan limits for areas. Mm -hmm. and, And we have increased our minimum loan limits for this area. We're actually taking applications now under new higher loan limits 
and uh, they'll be officially in effect in January, so next month. We didn't talk about that? Somehow that sounds familiar. No, I don't Maybe think we, we talked did. about it personally. Yeah, okay. Could, I talked to you too much. Could be. Could be. Could be. Get out of my life. But, I need but, to talk to these other people in the studio <laughs> with us. That's right. Well, the, <laughs> the, good, the good news is for King County, if you have a loan, uh, the new loan limit is up to $592,250. Oh, crikey. So if you're at that level or below, you have a conform, what's called a conforming mm-hmm. Fannie Mae loan. You're going to get the best interest rate. But you know what? I totally understand why they have to do that because when you look at what the average sale price is over in Bellevue or you see what North Seattle's yes. doing, new construction in town, even townhouses that's right. are starting in the six and sevens. That's right. And so it, that's right. So it, we need this, it. this is up over $50,000 yeah. uh, from our, our current levels, which is at 540000 okay. So this is a good good news for, for a lot of folks that maybe you're on that border between, I got do I need a jumbo loan? Do I need a conforming mm-hmm. loan? I will tell you that conforming loans are much easier to qualify for compared to a jumbo loan. Not the time to be unique. Mm-mm. Be conforming. Be conforming. Okay. Be a conformist. It's, it's to your you benefit can. on occasion to Absolutely. conform. That's right. <laughs> Oh, good heavens. Yeah. I have too much fun with the words. Yeah. I love right. words. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. So well, we've gone through the market rates. What about the your market? What about the real estate market? What's oh, going on there? holy smokes. Nice and quiet, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, every year when I have people like, oh, it must be so quiet because it's the holidays. I just... You want to smack them? Kind of. I'm, I, that does not put me in a festive mood. <laughs> me because you know i mean i do love this time of year but it's also a highly stressful time of year because what ends up happening for us is we're full of opportunities right now of people who are um, investors i've got Mm -hmm. tons of investors that are trying to get things moving right now or getting ready to do 1031 exchanges on properties and in fact that whole bunch of new things that are happening with the seattle city council on rentals is uh, starting to bring a whole firestorm of yes. potential sales our direction for Correct. people who don't want to continue being landlords in the city. So yep. we've got several of those happening right now. And we've got a lot of relocation. This is the time of year that a lot of companies are trying to get somebody into the state so they can get them settled before they start in the really workforce. It hard in the first and, quarter. Yeah, we've got... Uh, an incredible. I'm so glad that we grew our team as strong as we did this year because we've got three licensees in the team and we are all staying very, very busy between going and running and listing property, going out and showing property. I mean, we're, we're slammed right now in a positive way. I mean, we, can we still take on more clients? Yes, absolutely. Because we also have administrative staff we've added this year. So they sure. take a lot of the paperwork load off of us. But, uh, and we're looking to bring in two more people next year. Because right. we're this busy, but it's uh, it's continued to stay very very um, hot. And in fact, actually, that's where Jen was just at. She's here in the studio with us, helping with the social media today and taking pictures and stuff for us. But she just came from putting a lockbox on a property that we're putting on market for one of those ten thirty one exchange clients. So uh, it's going and on market this week. What is a ten thirty one exchange? 1031 exchange is if you're an investor and you want to maybe move up or move laterally on ownership, maybe you've already taken all of your deductions and you've phased out your entire amount of depreciation, depreciation, Mm -hmm. things like that. Because you do kind of get to a certain limit where, you know, it can be great to have the cash flow, but if you're also trying to offset taxes, Mm -hmm. you need that to be a property that maybe isn't fully paid off and whatnot. So um, anyway, we have this gentleman who's 
uh, putting a property on market that is probably prime for redevelopment. It's ever kind of in the Jackson, Yesler, Mount Baker-ish area. So Mm -hmm. that's going on market. If we get the go-ahead, it'll be on today. Good. Um, maybe tomorrow. So you can use a 1031 to sell a home and then yes. transfer those gains into mm-hmm. a new property. Tax-free. As long as it's tax-free or tax-deferred, as mm-hmm. long as you purchase, you got to follow all the rules. Yes. You can't touch Lots of the rules. money. The money goes to an exchange facilitator. Yeah, they the hold money, the money. Boot. Then you buy Which, the home the way, and you have, you have a time. I'm wearing boots today. Good job. So... <laughs> So it's an excellent way to save uh, save a lot of money in taxes or at yes, least it is. delay having to pay Yeah, it. possibly delay. And if you do your estate planning correct, may ne- never have to pay it at yeah, all. Never know. You yeah. never know. Excellent. So, yeah, but you got to plan. you got to right. be a good planner, which is why we'll have planners back on, you know, coming on some of the upcoming yeah, shows. Yeah, we'll have to do that. We'll have to have yeah. a show on that to talk about that. All right. Well, when we come in after the break, we're going to get into the slick resources that we have here in the room with us from Department of Ecology and PLEA. We're going to be talking about oil tanks. So call us 866-712-1300 with your questions. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. It's from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. Every Tuesday, you can hear us 3 o'clock talking about real estate and finance questions. We always mm-hmm. have on very interesting guests. Yes. And I'm excited about our guests today. Good. Not everybody gets excited about things like oil tanks and decommissioning and tank removals. I, I know. And I'm looking over at Cassandra over here and she's like, I do. I get excited. You do, right? I do. Yeah, excellent. Well, I think people, you know, if you're going to be really into your industry, you've got to be enthusiastic about all things that impact it. So I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about having you guys here. So we actually, I'm going to just say real quickly, we've got Cassandra Garcia. I say, ooh, PhD. So should we be calling you Dr. Cassandra? Cassandra's fine. fine. Okay. Um, So Cassandra is a legislative and policy analyst with the Pollution Liability and Insurance Agency. So um, how long have you been with the organization, Cassandra? I've been with PLEA for about three years. Okay, for three years. All right, fantastic. And what brought you to it? Well, you know, I never thought I would end up there, but uh, I've always been really focused on working with people and sort of how how can the government work better with people. And I actually worked for Bob at the Department of Ecology before doing outreach and then moved to PLEA where I worked in the as a heating oil claim manager and really got to work directly with with property owners. Okay. All right. So, um, Bob, so we have Bob Warren. Uh, and you are the regional section manager, Toxics Cleanup Program. Good gosh, yours is harder to say than Cassandra's. <laughs> ecology might be. Yeah, that might. Department easier. of Ecology. Yeah. Yes, yes. Very, very long title there. So, and and how long have you been with Department of Ecology? I've been with Department of Ecology about twenty-seven years now. Twenty-seven years. Yes. Okay. And wow, all within the state. All within the state, and then before that for another state agency. So 32 okay. years total. Okay. All right. Well, fantastic. And since our listeners can't actually see the studio here, Bob actually showed up wearing the complete white hazmat suit, including <laughs> the hood and the goggles and all that. So, 
Eric loves to give the visuals, which, of course, when they see the blog later, they'll be like, liar, liar, wait, pants wait, on wait. fire. But, you know, there you go. <laughs> I like that you bring such an alive moment to on-air on action. But, um, okay, so we had you guys come in because I had mentioned in a prior show that we had that I just happened to have this very unusual time recently where, you know, every once in a while, I've been in, in the industry for 13 years, and every once in a while, oil tanks show up, right? And then suddenly, just this last fall, we had a whole bunch of oil tanks kind of popping up, and we were working with lots of different transactions. And not that they all were having issues, because at least two of those tanks are in active use, but in one of them, uh, we did have to have the tank removed, and they did find that there were some issues. And I'd always just kind of heard people talking about the tank removal because most of the time I've worked with people in the past, we've just had to deal with decommissioning. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? There's a lot of people who really don't understand all of that. And the thing was, I was dealing with this brand new agent. That was a thing. And every time we'd have to get into discussion about this oil tank on this property, you could just hear the panic in her voice. It just, everything, I was like, oh man, before I even knew she was new or had confirmed it, I could figure it out by the way she was handling, you know, this news coming up. And, you know, part of why she was panicked was because in this transaction, her clients had waived all inspections. And it was only as they had contractors into the property to start kind of evaluating the potential remodel that they realized Oh man, we got a problem. There might be an oil tank on site and we don't know anything. And so it became a contention within the transaction itself. And it ended up turning out fine. You know, we got things handled, but just based on her reaction, I could tell like, oh man. And for our listeners who've been listening to us for a while, you've probably heard me talk about the fact there's 200 new agents a month in our state. So to your point, Cassandra and I were talking before we went on, even went on air and we were discussing why don't more agents know about this. And outreach is a real problem. It's a real problem. We have all these brand new people, lots of them not necessarily being monitored. And there's, you know, tons of transactions going on right now. We're hitting peak volumes that we haven't seen in 10 years in our market area. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on with a lot of people who don't know what's going on (laughs) necessarily. So I thought, you know what, a big part of what our show is about is to get information to the consumer. If it happens to be some real estate agents who happen to be listening and they learn something in the meantime, fantastic. But the consumer really needs to understand this information because at the end of the day, they own it. So, so Bob, what are some basics? Um, I guess let's let's say we just found out our our home has an oil tank in it. Uh, we've got a client mm-hmm. looking at buying a home. What what are the steps? Who controls it? Who monitors it? What do they do? Well, of course, one of the first things I, I would say is have you contacted PLEA and talk with them about the the program that they have. It's a it's a a very helpful program, and I'd suggest calling them. And, and then second, I would explain uh, a little bit about the state's cleanup uh, rules and, and mm-hmm. regulations and how that works and, and uh, help them uh, through understanding the process of cleaning up a site. So when, when, um, if we just like look at our, our area here, how many – do you have any stats on like number of tanks that are out there? There's a lot of homes that they're, they've converted to gas or electric over the years, mm-hmm. but there still might be a tank somewhere in the ground yes. on, that, on that property. I would Do love we know? to know those numbers. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, we, 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 we truly don't know how many tanks are actually out there. Uh, you know, how many are in use. I think we could find mm -hmm. that number if we mm -hmm. wanted to. Sure. Mm -hmm. the, the amount of tanks out there that are no longer in use uh, might be the more difficult question to answer. So how would somebody – I mean, I know just because of the work I do regularly, but how might a consumer go about looking for evidence that a tank may have been on a property? Well, I think there's several ways to do that. You can uh, walk your uh, walk your yard and, and mm -hmm. look for a fill pipe uh, mm -hmm. where where maybe they filled an underground tank at one time. Right. So to our listeners, a fill pipe is where they might have come to put the oil in mm -hmm. that was going to be used for heating. It usually sticks up only, what, five, seven inches out of the ground or so? Is it that... could, yes. And, and sometimes it's it's been buried over the years. So right. maybe it's say, not. Yeah. yeah, it could have been buried. Yes. And, and if it's also been decommissioned already, they Correct. usually when they decommission, they cut below the soil mm -hmm. line mm -hmm. and, and cover it up that way. One of the other ways I know during inspections that we tend to find them is there's old vents mm -hmm. Correct. coming up because they don't think to maybe pull those off. And so those might be up against the house somewhere Correct. or something like that. Um, and they're typically quite long. If I remember correctly, right? They're usually like maybe five, seven feet tall. And, and sometimes the vents, like you say, is, is away from where the tank is. And it could mm -hmm. be fairly close to the tank if the tank is up against the home. But you're right. The vent uh, extends uh, off the ground quite a ways and, some, mm -hmm. and sometimes up as high as the, the top of the house. Okay. Okay. So that's – I know for us when we're walking a lot – we're we're looking for those kinds of signs. Now, if there happens to be something there, we're kind of like, oh, well, okay, let's at least go ask the question. And maybe that owner does or does not know if that was decommissioned properly. Um, usually, if we see the fill pipe still sticking out, a lot of times we make a, you know, surmising that probably not, you know, because if it's just the vent, but not that, maybe it is. I know in one case, we had to have somebody come out with a, um, to, to confirm if there had been a tank and if it was still there, because it can be removed or decommissioned on site. Um, we had someone come out and they have to do, it's like the version of the guy out on the beach with his little metal detector. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> And they were out there looking, looking for around the for this big old 300 gallon tank, right? You know, they're like looking for it into the ground, which was interesting. So I think Bob, that might have been my first house that we did that. So, Bob, <laughs> what are what are the typical methods for decommissioning a tank? It's no longer being used. Yeah, there are different uh, different methods, and and each uh, local government may have their own. Uh, policies or, or rules and regulations in decommissioning okay. tanks. So, I oh, so it can actually change from jurisdiction to it, jurisdiction. It sure could. Sure could. Is that by city or uh, county or what? Or, or both, depending who's the, the. Oh, even uh, more confusing. Sure. How fun. Sure. Okay. If you're in a county, if your your home is in the county, not necessarily in a city okay. limits, then of course maybe the county would then be right. Yeah. Overseeing that. If you're within the city limits, then typically it's the city that uh, would, okay. would may have their own rules and regulations. Okay. Uh, but but statewide, uh, the Department of Ecology has uh, our cleanup regulations, which is the Model Toxic Control Act, and that gives some guidelines on uh, cleanup levels and and expectations for okay. investigating your 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 uh, your tank or uh, and and how to uh, go through the process to actually clean it up. Okay. Okay. So I have a quick question for you, though, because in decommissioning, how is it that fire departments got involved? Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, the uh, the fire department sometimes uh, uh, will be involved because they uh, have rules and regulations uh, which uh, relate to 
uh, flammable or explosive liquids and and okay. uh, and, and therefore uh, have some responsibility for tank systems. Okay, so for our listeners, I want to explain that because they're probably like, "What? <laughs> why is why is she talking about fire department?" Because um, as I came into the industry and was kind of getting some training from my mentor way back when, we were told that um, fire departments tend to have the certificates, and even then, they only go back a certain timeline because they weren't necessarily required before, like I don't know, ninety two or something like that. Is that roughly? Uh, accurate? I, I would have to look into that to know, to okay. know the exact date. Okay. Well, yeah I, yeah. I don't know if we have to have an exact, but sure. I just I heard that it would be potentially spotty mm-hmm. on whether or not one would be available, on whether or not they had actually been engaged in that process or not. And then, um, and then you could go there and try and get it. And then if not, you had to make sure at least when you did all this. But now I'm hearing you say that it could be different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So they may not even be engaged in all areas. Well, and, and I think that's something that, as a as a homeowner who's going through the process of decommissioning a tank, should look mm-hmm. into that and okay. uh, and contact uh, uh, the local building department and, and determine their their requirements. So that might be okay. the first place to go is call the call a local building department and say, "Hey, I right. got a tank. I need to decommission it." Yeah. So I, I, there's different different. Kind of back to my question. There's a few different methods to do it. I've heard, you, of course, you can pull the tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also uh, can't you pump it? Clean it, fill it with like a slurry, sand or slurry, mm-hmm. something like that. Are those all acceptable methods? In, in most cases, again, I would check with the lo- local government. Depending on the and, local and, municipality. And ensure, ensure yeah. you're meeting their needs. Uh, again, I would uh, contact PLEA and get them involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. There are, there are different ways of decommissioning and whether you pull the tank and, and ensure that any contaminated soil around it is removed mm-hmm. uh, or uh, whether you uh, fill the tank and, and – uh, as uh, I said earlier, uh, cut off some of the piping below ground and, and so on. Okay. Okay. Well, when we come back, I've got a few more questions, and I want to learn I about this PLEA thing. I think that's a dance move, but stay tuned for more <laughs> uh, Open House with Team Reba. Got a question? Call it in. 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. This is Reba Hassa, Team Reba. And I'm Eric Ostinus from Home Street Bank. And, uh, you know, we got a call while we were on the break. Yeah, I know. And we we well, we she, talked too long about other stuff and we lost her. I know. Sorry she, about she, that. She couldn't hang on there. But she had a yeah. question regarding uh, kind of a different, not quite the oil mm-hmm. tank question, but this is about yeah. uh, the Asarco uh, smelter uh, mm-hmm. down in Ruston, down in Tacoma. Uh, which for over a hundred years, um, you know, was a smelter, and it used to be why there was the aroma of Tacoma. <laughs> now that actually that was a different one. <laughs> just kidding. That was a pulp and paper but one. Smelter but, always just makes uh, me think like, ooh, it smells bad. <laughs> well, yeah, lots of not not good stuff came out of the smokestacks there, and yeah. and there's a plume. It created an area where there was sort of fallout from yep. of some heavy metals from that from that. Um, and we're not talking music. Plant. No, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Yeah, we're known hey, for grunge, uh, so, not that. So uh, Bob Warren. Um, you know, here with the Washington State Department of Ecology. What, what about that? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. That, that is a, a, a very large site uh, that uh, that was created by a company called Sarco, and mm-hmm. and 
as they were uh, smelting uh, ash it was blown from the uh, from the from the smokestack and mm-hmm. and and then blown uh, along with the wind and it went as far as up into King County uh, and and perhaps as low as in uh, uh, Thurston County uh, because it uh, because that smelter actually uh, originally was operating in a, our southwest regional office. Mm-hmm. Uh, those folks uh, down in our southwest office manage that site. Right. Even though it does extend up into the northwest region, which I manage. Uh, that, you that, keep it that, concentrated yes, on who's, sure. who's yes. handling that. So sure. unfortunately, it's a little outside of the scope of what we're going to be talking about right. today. So we can't really get into it. But the, the caller's point was asking about disclosures. Right. And, and, I ha- yeah, there's and really disclosure is no... a big thing about which we can easily apply to what we're talking course, about today. Because that is something that's somewhat ubiquitous for the, for the mm-hmm. area. So I don't know if there's any specific disclosures. But I do have some maps in my office which have the, the, the uh, kind of the, the, the shadow the of the range. plume. The plume. If anybody's interested, they can just uh, reach, oh, reach out go. to you or me uh, at mm-hmm. Team Reba. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you can reach me, Eric, at... Eric is my banker.com mm-hmm. and we can forward that information to well, you. From a disclosure standpoint, even if it's not specifically to ASARCO, there is in the property transfer in Washington state a requirement to do a seller disclosure form. Mm-hmm. And they do have questions there about whether or not there might be something on site that would be an environmental hazard. Right. And that can be a wide range of things. Like sure they, can. they have it it's not necessarily limited to just things like asbestos and you know, they ask about oil tanks or is there underground tanks and sometimes people know or don't know, you know, and that's the whole thing is those disclosure forms have four ways in which it can be answered. It can be yes, no, I don't know and not applicable. Mm-hmm. They finally added not applicable. Right, right. Took forever to get not applicable. It drove me crazy. But the the state doesn't require that if a person doesn't know for them to go and seek that information Find that out. out. Right. 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 They, just... they don't need to go test for it. But um, if they do know, there is an obligation to report. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. But again, not everybody tests, you know, and that was something that um, in this recent transaction I had with an oil tank there was a big push on people like, well, you need to go test. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like, where does it say she has to? Right, right. And so what ended up happening was we got the buyer to pay for the tank removal, but they did test the soil and we did find that there had been a past leak. It wasn't too, too large, but then of course the seller needed to go ahead and take care of it. And I will tell you, so what's so interesting, Cassandra, because we didn't have PLEA coverage, and we'll talk about the insurance piece here soon, but um, we had the widest ranging quotes on the cleanup for that. I mean, it was insane. And my client at the time knew somebody at Department of Ecology, reached out to the department, who then reached out to the PLEA group. And so we had – I didn't know this about your organization. You have – technical assistance there it's not just insurance yeah no we also have a technical assistance program that's available to anyone there there's a flat fee of 350 dollars to get in the program but then we work with the owner to make sure that all the cleanups they're doing are meeting those regulations that bob spoke about earlier and then at the end we can issue them a letter saying yep you've met all the state's requirements and you've done all the cleanup work you need to do Fantastic. So I I was so pleased to hear that because having 
even the amount of years of experience I have, I had not been aware of that. I had been aware of PLEA for a really long time. Good. <laughs> um, but this was something new, and I always love learning something new. So I'm glad we can share this with our listeners as well because it could be very useful for them yeah. to have. Um, because you also said during the break there are currently identified or at least registered with your program – 58 to 60,000 oil yeah, tanks it, across it the state? goes up and down, of course, as new people right. register and as, okay. as people convert to other heat sources. But that's how many we have registered. Okay. That means there are probably more. Right. So can you explain, like, why would someone register sure. with your organization? Yeah. So um, our heating oil program was actually created back in 1995. And what happened is a lot of the homeowners insurance policies started excluding pollution from their policies and started Ah. excluding heating oil tanks. And so the legislature saw that there was a gap that, you know, homeowners were facing where they didn't have resources to help pay for cleanups. Right. And to to the point of what I was saying about this recent deal I was Mm -hmm. in, the quotes we started getting right up front, there was two from one company and the first bid gave us a quote range of twenty to fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And then the second bid, depending on what was involved in that one, was anywhere from fifty to a hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yeah. I had been blown away because I'd never heard of one going over about twelve thousand dollars unless it was at a commercial site. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, my client's bill I think turned out to be like fifty six hundred something and change. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so so <laughs> Fifty six hundred, and you had a high bid of how much? Up to one hundred and ten. One hundred and ten thousand dollars. And they kept saying, "You know, well, there's all these variables, and we don't know." And yeah. you know, it's like, "Well, okay, that's we get that, but there's an element of visibility, and we know where the tank is." And like, you know, there were certain right. things about this house that you knew there wasn't a basement that it was impacting. So I know that there's yeah. a bunch of variables. We know that, but it was just like fifty six sixty three compared to. Even the twenty to fifty thousand dollar range was like, wow. Well, why would that range so much? And to speak to that, so in our insurance program, where we, you know, take people from the beginning to the end and sort of really have sort of stricter rules about how they mm-hmm. go about it, um, our first step in that program is data collection for precisely that reason because it's right. all underground; you can't see it. Yeah, you don't know if it's a big problem or a small problem. And so that's in our insurance program, we can require that everybody do a fair bit of testing of the soil at the beginning and and groundwater. Sometimes they hit groundwater. Usually it's just the Mm -hmm. ones we see mostly are just soil. Um, But testing to see, okay, is it really a giant problem or is it just a smaller problem? And then that helps the property owner make decisions about how to do the cleanup. Okay. So Cassandra, if I, if I just want to, and we, we talked over the break, I, my home has an oil tank. I never registered it. It's not leaking as far as I know. Everything's working fine. So if I register it, what am I getting myself into? (laughs) Well, um, so if you register your tank, it means that you have $60,000 worth of coverage available to you if it does start to leak after you've registered it. That's pretty nice. How much does that cost? What's the cost to me as a homeowner? There is no charge to you as a homeowner. Hey, say that a little louder into the microphone. There is no charge to the homeowner. (laughs) That's pretty – okay, so – For any of you homeowners listening to that right now, where would they go online at this moment to go and register? Right. They should go to our webpage, uh, www.plia.wa.gov. Okay. And um, absolutely, there's no reason not to register your tank. 
everybody okay. should register there. So there's no testing or anything required at, at that point. I'm just registering. Yeah, it. there's no testing. Uh, the coverage does only apply to leaks that have occurred after you registered sure, your tank. Sure. So mm-hmm. if you if you register today and you pulled your tank tomorrow and there was a huge leak, we would right. say, I'm really sorry, Eric, but yeah, this yeah. leak occurred prior to your registration. Well, that's right. probably fair. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. got that. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so www.plia.wa.gov. Exactly. Okay, perfect. Stands for Pollution Liability Insurance Agency. Got it. Thank you, Ms. Haz. <laughs> Just checking, making sure. Good. Well, this is excellent. So, if yeah, if you've got a tank out there, you're not registered, get it registered. Yeah, and and get, absolutely. And get your free $60,000. Exactly. Of coverage. <laughs> of coverage. We, well, we like to say at no cost to you. <laughs> I, I do want to add one important thing, though, for yeah. people that are registered is because it's an insurance policy, there are certain mm-hmm. insurance rules. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody does disconnect their heating oil tank from the system mm-hmm. and they go to decommission it, they do have to file a claim with us within 30 days. Okay. So there is a time limit. And so that's something I always like to point Definitely out to people. Definitely yeah. yeah, don't decommission it and then call us a year later because then we'll be so sad that we can't help you anymore. Right, got okay. it. We'll still have our technical assistance program, but the insurance coverage won't work anymore. Okay, so somebody might have an active tank right now. Maybe they're thinking about switching over to gas or something down the road. They could go ahead, sign up for this today, and then when they choose to make that shift. Exactly. They just make sure within 30 days, because are they... It's 30 days of disconnecting that tank. Okay. Okay. So do they have to test also at that time? When they disconnect? Yeah. Well, in or order... Or they just decommission in place and just call it good? Well, the so the insurance coverage is for cleanup of, of mm-hmm. a release from the tank. Right. So if they decommission and they don't test, then they're not going to find the release... Okay. And so they won't be able to file a claim within 30 days. So do you urge people to test for that? Because I know that would probably frighten some folks. I mean, even if they have coverage, it's still like, ooh. No, I do. Because if you don't, you're possibly losing $60,000 and somebody else might find that leak in the future. And then you will still be on the hook for it. And you will. Oh, you will? Yeah. Okay. So it's not just – because I've heard there's always been this rumor in the industry that it's whoever finds the leak <laughs> is responsible for the cleanup. I'll let I'll let Bob speak to that. That's uh... oh okay. Yeah, those those are uh, you're speaking the requirements of the state cleanup regulations and okay. and there's different ways to become a responsible or, or potentially liable person for a release. And one is if you're the current owner of the property. Uh, then, then you will be. Uh, you could be considered a potential liable party for that mm-hmm. cleanup. But also, if if the current owner could show that the leak occurred before they bought the house, then the person before them uh, could also be considered okay. liable. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I know in our Bellevue situation, we urged our client to go ahead and work with this whole process because we we felt it would probably be a fairly low risk situation for them, and they did all this research. So. Okay, well, we still have one more segment to go. we got more to cover on oil tanks and decommissioning. So we'll be right back with Open House with Team Reba. Call us if you got questions, 866-712-1300. Open House has open phone lines. Give us a call at 866-712-1300.
Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Hass over here jamming it with Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. All right. Very festive today. Always love today. that song. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Always a fun time of year. Yeah. Got, got uh, That's snow. just always that jam that gets me going. It's our, our bumper music. They always, that, I don't know why. That song just does it for me. I don't know. But anyway. So <laughs> speaking of things that do it for me, though. Yeah. During the break. Yeah. We, we asked Cassandra, what is kind of a typical cost range for a cleanup? Because, you know, I was saying my, my client seems to have gotten off pretty lucky, and this is $60,000 of coverage that someone can go to plia.wa.gov to get. What did you tell us? So our, our, average clean, our average cleanup cost is generally about $30,000. Go sign up, people. Yikes. If you have an oil tank, go sign Okay, so so here's our choice. You could have literally thirty thousand dollars worth of pain and suffering mm-hmm. buried in your yard, not covered by your regular right. homeowners and insurance. And all you have to do is go to plia.wa.gov and mm-hmm. register, and yeah. you've got sixty thousand dollars worth of coverage. And it's a really short, easy which form to fill nothing. out. Yeah, I, I oh have. You know, so this is a, you'll laugh, Cassandra, because. I got a copy of that form uh, 13 years ago before we had as much stuff online as we do today. And it still sits above my desk today, <laughs> tattered as it is. Because I keep to it send handy. you a new one. <laughs> I, I keep it there as my reminder of like, oh, there's the PLEA form. Okay, I know exactly because of the tattering in the corner of like, that's it. Because I pulled it out so many times to show somebody. <laughs> so we use it as a training tool in my office all the time. Absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, this is so so good to know, and and mm-hmm. and so Bob, let's talk a little bit about about the cleanup as a homeowner. Is this yeah. something I could do myself? Well, I, I think if you have, he's cringing. I love it. I back away from his his chair. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, let me. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think if a homeowner has uh, those skills and abilities, uh, understanding of state uh, cleanup regulations, uh, I, you know, I, I think that's that's a possibility. I think very few homeowners have that, and I think they I should. I know I don't have right. the skill to do it. And, so and my husband's talented, but I would not sure. let him handle it. Yeah, so, I, so they really should seek out uh, uh, support and okay. find, find assistance in doing that. And again, uh, our site managers would certainly uh, answer their questions if they call. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Michael uh, Warfare or Donna Musa uh, takes calls every day and, and okay. assists with those questions. And PLEA, of course, I keep saying that. But yeah. but PLEA has some good staff also and, and a good program. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that you have the technical assistance. So I guess if a homeowner did want to try and take it on, they could. But is it, it, it's also useful when someone's trying to assess who they might hire to help, right? So, I mean, we, can, we can't recommend anyone or tell them who no, to but hire, you, but, but we can certainly tell, tell you them. You can smell the BS Here are some, here are some questions. A... Here are some questions to ask. This yeah. is, you know, like the upfront testing, that's critical. Mm-hmm. If they're, you know, not going to test the soil at the beginning, that's probably a red flag. If mm-hmm. they're just going to start digging without doing any sampling, that, you know, if it's if it's the odd case where it's only $5,000, you can just start digging and right. find the end of it and be fine. Mm-hmm. If it's something larger, you really want to get somebody that knows how to 
test around there, somebody that's familiar with the cleanup regulations. Mm -hmm. um, because really, at the end, you want to get to that place where we can write you that letter that says you've met all the requirements. And you don't want somebody to get all the way to the end mm -hmm. and then submit your report to us and then have us say, well, actually, you forgot to Not do so much. this or that or right. the other thing. Okay. So going back to disclosure. So if you guys are providing these documents or someone's someone's giving that saying, yes, it's been done properly, that's probably really key for that homeowner to have and then also be able to pass on Absolutely. in a next sale, right? Yeah. And they and you know, we we know that bankers often ask mm -hmm. for those letters oh, to, yeah. Absolutely. to show proof that the cleanup has occurred and, mm -hmm. and buyers. I've seen ask appraisers call it out because if they yeah. see those vent pipes and it didn't show up anywhere else, they'll sometimes ask for that decommissioning report and sometimes people go Oh, yeah. So ours <laughs> and our letter is slightly different than the, So there's the decommissioning report. Mm -hmm. And then the letter is that I guess the, the jargony term for it is a no further action letter. Right. And what and that that's means what is no further action needs to yeah. be taken. That's exactly what we got when exactly. we had our Bellevue deal. So let me ask you, though, if does that need to go on in perpetuity? Because, I mean, imagine 100 years from now, if someone need to be is there a plan maybe even to put some of these things in a digital format where they could be recorded against a property and maybe it sits on a title? So there are, you know, there's different, we talked in the break a little bit about different cleanup mm -hmm. methods and there, you know, there are some methods that involve potentially leaving some contamination in place, mm -hmm. which is allowed if you follow all the, the directions. And in those cases, there is something that gets attached to the title just as a marker to say this is here, but the state reviewed it, and we don't believe that it's a threat. Do you think yeah. it would be a good idea, though, for them to, if it gets decommissioned? Because, I mean, seriously, the fire marshal, you know, what if there something should be happens a record if it's, if it's taken care of. We, yeah, I would sure think so. We yeah. always tell people to, you know, to keep that record. We have the records, you know, in our office, any letter that we I guess I just sent, always look at it like there's easements and, and other things. But I just, if there's a digital format, because that's, it's one of the biggest struggles in my industry is there's so many pieces of information about a property that can be spread among a lot of different parties. And I know we struggle with this all the time of like, why isn't that just recorded against the title so we don't have to go track it down? Like if you had to do it to begin with, why can't we just make it part of the official record and it's just there with the house instead of chasing it down in five different places, right? Because if a homeowner has the house burn at some point and they've lost their records and if that was the only copy, well, we're kind of hosed from right. the future, Right, but that well, digital we'll have a record. Copy at our office. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully you will, and someone will have to know to go get that. But right. I go back to my point of I've got two hundred new agents a month who may yep. or may not know to go do that. Yep. You know, and then who's going to be the one at risk if someone didn't get that information or someone found out later on that there was an issue? And you know, now we now we've got everything full of all kinds of problems. So, because I mean, that's the thing I know that as as real estate agents, we have to deal with holding our records for a certain years worth of time yeah. because of potentials for lawsuit. Yep. So I'm always a big fan of keeping my own personal liability down while still trying to advocate and keep the liability down for my client. But if there's all these moving parts and somebody else has a document that we couldn't possibly have known existed. Yeah. Well, well, and who wants that? Well, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And, and your, your comment Reba about, you know, so many new agents coming into the market 
as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a reason we 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 have guests like like mm-hmm. both of, you know Bob and Cassandra you on the show is because mm-hmm. we really do want to bring forward some of these issues. And yeah. if your your agent isn't bringing these things up, I hope you're listening mm-hmm. and and paying attention to it. Um, I, I got I'm cracking up because. Uh, we had a purchase contract come into the office today. Yeah, and uh, and it was done by a rookie new new agent under the legal description, which the legal description on a property is is a the legal definition of it. It, mm-hmm. it gives the recording numbers. It gives exactly legally where it's at. Mm-hmm. This legal description said three bedroom, one bath house a thousand square feet oh my gosh it was a property description <laughs> and it was blue they gave a description of the property oh for heaven's sake oh and i'm like oh good heavens. that designated broker needs to be oh, slapped around really, too really scary, oh my but, gosh uh, okay well as uh, uh, speaking of yeah education yes oh have, you just read my mind yes yeah we have class before i had up. my look of disgust on that last comment <laughs> Yes, we have a class coming up. We have our own edumacation. That's right, happening. And this is the official, the official first mm-hmm. time home buyer class, which is a mm-hmm. state sanctioned class. Mm-hmm. Both Reba and I volunteer for the Washington State Housing Finance Commission, mm-hmm. and taking this class, it's a five hour class. It's free of charge, mm-hmm. and once you take this class, you become eligible for special financing programs, mm-hmm. first-time buyer programs, zero-down programs, tax as well as special programs. tax credits. Yes. Yeah. So Tax season's coming up. That's right. And when is this class, Reba? It's January 7th. Yeah. January 7th, 2017. Got a lot of ones and sevens going it's on there. going to run from 10 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be in Seattle. So we're going to hold it at our REMAX East, or excuse me, REMAX Metro location, which is 2312 East Lake Avenue East in Seattle. Right down there in beautiful East Lake, East Lake mm-hmm. neighborhood. Yes. So put that on your calendars if you're a first-time buyer, January 7th. And we want to thank our guests. Bob and Cassandra, thank you so much for joining us. I learned a lot about oil tanks today. Hope our listeners did as well. Stay tuned next week, every Tuesday, 3 o'clock, more Real Estate and Finance on Open House with Team Reba. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash Max Metro East Side on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Tuesday at 3 for more Open House with Team Reba here on Business Radio 1300 KKOL. program sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage.